Earth, are you sick of living with emotional overwhelm? Your mind affects your life massively. It affects your mood, it affects your energy, it affects your relationships, and it causes you to get in your own way. It means you're having annoying chatter in your own head, doesn't it? And you're doing that right now, aren't you? If you have ever experienced overwhelm, then you're not alone. But the thing is, you deserve a life of ease, and help is actually a lot easier to access than you might think. In my career over the last 10 years, I have helped hundreds of clients reduce overwhelm or even eliminate it altogether. Until now, this sort of information has only been available for my one-on-one clients exclusively in-house, but you deserve a helping hand too. Which is why on the 13th of July, I'll be hosting the Mind Massage event in Fremantle. It provides fast and long-lasting effects for stress and overwhelm. To see if this event is for you, head to themindmassage.eventbrite.com.au. Hope to see you there. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Inspired Optimist with your host, Dr. Jacinta DiPrinzio, inspiring you to create a life that is healthy, bright, and full of life. Hello, 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 everyone. And of course, this is Jacinta, your host from the Inspired Optimist podcast. And I am thrilled to be doing this episode today because we're going to be getting into all the itty bitty, nitty gritty questions that I get asked on a daily basis um, about a few things. Some of these questions have come through the comments. Some of these questions have been through private practice or even through social media. Um, So there's a few reasons why I wanted to do this episode and the first one being is because a lot of those questions that I've been getting asked is actually pertaining to my day-to-day living and how I actually live my life. So there is, I don't know why, there's a bit of a common misconception that I think people have of me or maybe even health professionals in general. And that is that I'm this vegan, hippie, loving, you know, um, non-coffee, non-alcohol drinking specimen that totally has her shit together and is motivated 100% of the time and is always in control, yada, yada, yada. And the fact of the matter is that is just absolutely absolutely false. Most of the time, I am an absolute hot mess. And you can ask any one of the people that know me, my family and friends, they know that I am a bit of someone who's a bit of organized chaos, but maybe less of the organization and more of the chaos. I know a lot of information uh, about health and wellness and holistic healing and how to be a healthy person. 80% of the time, I follow that myself personally. 20% of the time, I am like any other human being. I go out for drinks with my friends. I do things that, you know, might put the red cross next to your name. Um, But like anyone else, I'm human. So part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode is to clear up some of the things that, um, you know, there's misconceptions of health professionals out there that are sharing this information. Yes, we're sharing the information of the gold standard, but you have to find the balance. And I wanted to share a few of the things that I do to keep that balance um, throughout yeah, throughout this episode. Some other questions that have been asked are ones pertaining to certain conditions 
or um, you know, different things, common questions that I get in practice all the time, which I wanted to cover as well um, about yeah, certain conditions and, and certain things happening in the body. So, of course, you know, a bit of a disclaimer. Make sure that you are consulting one-on-one your healthcare practitioner. I'm giving a very broad overview of some of these things, but um, yeah, I'm really excited to get in to it. So, the first one, the first question that I get asked is, what is my definition of happiness? Because I ask this question to all of my um, all of the guests that I have on the show, but I haven't ever answered it myself. And I think for me personally, I don't know if there is a true definition of happiness because it's relative and it's and it's subjective. Um, happiness is an emotion. You know, it's not tangible. We can't hold it in our hands, just like love, you know. Um, for me, I have felt what I feel is true happiness when I am slowing down in my life, when I'm truly present in the current moment, um, when I'm at ease with my situation, not so much when uh, the things in my life are all, I have all my ducks in a row because I don't think that I have ever um, been in a position where I'm like, you know what, damn, my life is running smoothly right now and there's nothing going wrong and everything's just, you know, happening so perfectly. And I don't think that anyone can say that they've ever had that, but it's when I have been at peace with that or have had ease within those situations that are a bit sticky, that I think is where the true happiness lies. So, um, yeah, not too tangible, but part of the reason why I like asking that question because I view myself as, yes, a happy person, but what does that actually mean? Who knows, right? Um, So, hopefully that's clear, but I am sure it isn't. The second one is that second question is uh, how much water should I drink in a day? I had this question the other day. So I had a client who I asked them, you know, you drink enough water? And they were like, yeah. And it's like, well, what does that mean to you drinking enough, right? Um, How do you know that you're drinking enough? And so I have a few ways to tell that your body is getting properly hydrated. And for all your, you scientific nerdies out there, uh, one liter per 22 kilograms of body weight is the standard. So you can do the math in your own head. That is the general rule. There is a few things that will alter that, which I'll go over soon. Uh, but also a nice way that I, I think that is a great way to know that you're hydrating your body enough is if your urine is clear by about 11 a.m. So in the morning, our kidneys are detoxifying a few things and, you know, using up the water. And then in the morning, we're going to have the yellow urine. Throughout the day, to know that we have completely flushed our kidneys out, that urine should now become clear. Essentially, you should be able to re-drink it again and rehydrate yourself, right? So that's how you know that your kidneys have completely detoxified, completely flushed for the day. And I think that aiming to do that by about 11 a.m. is um, something that's worth doing. The things that are going to alter how much water you need um, are your general stresses in the day. So obviously, if you're doing lots of exercise, if you're sweating, everyone knows you need to drink more water. 
But what people might not know is that the mental emotional stresses, like for example, sitting at a desk, doing reports, I know that for some of you, you might even be finishing exams now by the time this podcast airs. I know my partner hit the poor thing. He would hate me saying this, but his hairline is receding back. I reckon it's receded back about two centimeters in the last two weeks because he's been so stressed, the poor guy doing his exams and he's going to hate me, hate me, hate me for saying that. Um, But for him and for everyone else who's under this mental load, the brain itself is so hungry for water when it's under, under mental pressure. So, it's going to use up all of that water. So, we're going to have to drink more. And it's why a lot of the time um, I find that people when they're stressed or they're sitting doing a lot of work on the computer or, um, or at their office desks, they get very low energy, a bit foggy in the head. And often it's because they're not drinking enough. They're not hydrating their brain, which is 80% water. The rest of our body is 70%. Our, our brain sits at about 80%. So very, very important to get enough. Um, coffee does not count as a glass of water. If you're drinking coffee, uh, one glass of one cup of coffee, that means you need to have two glasses of water to counterbalance that coffee. So it, it it's um, not really fair to say, well, you know what? I've drunk bloody eight glasses of coffee today. I've had my water intake. It's you're actually going to be dehydrating your body more because it takes water to excrete that toxin out of the body. The second question that um, I have here is one for me personally is that, and that is, do I eat meat? So, for some reason, everyone thinks I'm vegan. I have no idea why. Maybe it's because all the photos I post uh, have lots of vegetables in them, but I just find that photographing meat isn't pretty. So, that's why I don't put it on my social media platforms. But yes, I eat meat and I think it is healthy Uh, to some degree, to eat meat. Um, The general rule that I will use is the 80-20 with meat as well. So about 20% of the diet should be animal protein. Um, There's a lot of conflicting information out there about, you know, going raw, et cetera. I think that if you're in a fairly healthy state in your body, that your body can tolerate about 20% um, of animal protein. However, in saying that, if I was in a disease crisis, for example, um, a cancer state or, you know, some sort of diagnosis crisis, I would be going personally, I'm not saying everyone has to do this, but I would be going vegan raw diet, just fruit and veg, no animal protein. The reason being is because anything like viruses, cancers, etc., it's actually excess protein in the body. So if we can decrease our protein intake by going raw, then our body will then seek out proteins um, that have been accumulating within our tissues and chew that up. So essentially, we will autolyze viruses and cancers, etc. Um, so there's lots of research now supporting the fact that, you know, better outcomes for people with cancers who go raw, go vegan in saying that just because something has on the label that it's vegan doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy because, you know, a loaf of bread is essentially vegan and it's got heaps of pesticides. It's got, you know, um, a lot of things that your body is going to react to. So it's about eating real foods, um, but yeah, making sure that it's high, high vegetable content. The, also the reason why only 20% of um, the f- 
the foods that I like to consume if I'm being, you know, my ideal would be animal protein is because when you look at the food chain, so for example, you look at the food chain, we have the sun that you you would have noticed in a la- in another recording that I did, I spoke about the seven principles of health and how sunlight was one of them. Sunlight, water, air, you know, helps to grow plants into this nutritious food. So plants are actually one of the highest forms of nutrition. There is every single vitamin and mineral in every single fruit or veg. So, for example, an apple has every single vitamin and mineral that your body needs. It just depends how the ratios of those vitamins and minerals that differ from uh, vegetable to vegetable and fruit to fruit. So, that that's pretty awesome. Um, but I can't even remember where I was getting at with that. What am I talking about? Yes. So, we have the vegetables, they're very high nutrition. And then we have, for example, animals that eat those vegetables. So they're using the nutrition in that plant-based product to then grow their cells. We can then eat that animal to then like twice removed, receive that nutrition from the plant. Then if we're then eating animals that eat other animals, then we're three times removed from that nutrition. So yes, we're still getting it, but it makes sense to go straight to the source for that nutrition density, which is in plants. For me, that makes sense. And not to mention that a lot of our meats at the moment um, through agriculture, etc., you know, pumped full with hormones, not that healthy, treated poorly. So, um, like anyone, animals have emotions. They're going to know the effects of fear um, when they're getting slaughtered. Cortisol, this stress hormone, hormone in their bodies is going to increase. We then kill them. We then eat meat that has been under high amounts of stress and that trans- translates into maybe not a not so great health expression for our own body. So just something to think about. All right. The next one is, do I drink coffee? Uh, hell yeah, I do. I'm actually drinking a coffee now, but I have some rules around it. So I am under no impression that coffee is good for me. This is the, where the 80-20 comes in 20% of the time. Um, yeah, I'm drinking things like coffee. I'm I'm having, you know, maybe some alcoholic beverages with my friends, etc. Um, sometimes I'll have the sneaky, you know, ice cream in there because I am a um, recovering sugar addict. So it's definitely something that I have to learn the balance with. Um, but yes, I drink coffee. I recommend a few rules, like I say, around coffee consumption. So the first one, is that you should not be drinking coffee before 10 a.m. in the morning. The reason being is because of our sleep-wake cycle. So our cortisol, our stress hormone is highest in the morning and then it should taper down, sorry, lowest in the morning, lowest in the morning, and then it should rise up at about, you know, start coming up at 10 a.m. and then reach its peak at about the three, four, five o'clock mark. Um, And that's going to help our sleep-wake cycle. If we are injecting coffee into our bloodstreams first thing in the morning. Like I know lots of people get up and they're like, oh, it's 5am. I got to get my coffee. We are putting rocket fuel um, into our system straight away first thing in the morning, which is going to peak that cortisol level way too early, which is going to lead to a massive crash in the afternoon, which then leads to more coffee consumption in the afternoon 
um, because we're tired and then eventually we, that, that crash comes earlier and earlier. So now we're up to, you know, our five, our six cups of coffee and then, hey, we can't get to sleep. And because all the healing's done while we're sleeping, then our bodies start to break down and you can see how this becomes a bit of a vicious cycle. So I'm a one a day kind of girl. And um, I told this to my sister the other day and she was disgusted with me, but I actually will sip my coffee cold over a period of about two to three hours throughout the day, mainly because when I'm at work and on shift, uh, I'm pretty flat out and a lot of the time I can't even have a break to have a glass of water. So by default, my coffee gets cold, but I'll just sip that throughout the day um, and I find that that works for me. So about one a day, you know, recommending two two a day at the very max. However, um, if that means two long blacks a day, then really going over because you have to think about how many shots are in per cup. So, I hope that makes sense. Another thing to think about with coffee, um, like I said, if you're drinking a cup of coffee, you should have two glasses of water to counterbalance it. A great idea because coffee is an acidic product, um, it's going to, you know, draw us away from the alkaline state that is ideal for our bodies. Having something like a green powder afterwards or even before to help, um, to help alkalize our blood and our bodies is a very good idea as well. And then as far as our last coffee of the day, you should be aiming to have nothing after um, 4 p.m. because then otherwise we're going to have a hard time getting to sleep, like I said. So that is coffee. I'm glad, I bet you're glad to hear that um, you can still have that within limitations. Next question is, How do I stay motivated? Well, I think this is another one where there is a misconception because in my life, I am very motivated in some instances and then in other areas, I am not motivated at all. So for example, I have high motivation to um, always every day achieve some sort of sort of goal that um, that is associated with personal development. I'm like a personal development junkie. I feel like it's almost a disease how obsessed I am with developing myself. Um, and so, yes, I do have a little bit of that naturally in me. However, the motivation comes because I have a higher goal. And that higher goal is to uh, essentially change as many people's lives as I can while I'm on this planet. So it makes my motivation quite easy because I have a huge purpose or goal that I am striving towards. So it means that when I wake up in the morning and I have to decide between whether or not I am going to do those nitty gritty things that I um, have to do, if I think to myself, is this is this decision going to lead me towards that higher goal or is it going to lead me off track towards getting to that higher goal? And it makes that decision really, really easy. For example, um, things like eating well. I have high motivation to look after my health because I know that if I'm not looking after myself, I have low energy. And if I have low energy, then I don't want to uh, do the things that I need to do throughout the day, which means I'm less productive, which essentially means 
compounded day after day, week after week, year after year, that changing as many people's lives as possible. I'm going to have um, the ability to change much fewer lives than if I'm not putting into every day um, as much as I can to reach that end goal. So, I hope that makes sense. Um, Motivation is one of those things that I think goes hand in hand with the health of your body. So, you know, the mind affects the physical body, the physical body affects the mind. So I think one of the easiest ways to get motivated is to actually clean up the body Um, because when we clean up the body, we clean up the mind. So, um, yeah, and that's obviously – with the foods we eat, the thoughts that we have, how much water we drink, uh, you know, the 80-20 rule, all of those things that I've gone over before many, many, many times. This episode of the Inspired Optimist podcast will continue very soon. If you're enjoying this episode and think that one of your loved ones would benefit from this information, make sure you share it with them. And of course, give me a five-star rating on iTunes. It is now time for the rest of the show. Listen up as I continue to answer your curly questions. The next question comes from one of my lovely clients who has an office job, and that is, how do I improve my posture um, even when I'm sitting at my desk all day? So there's a few things here, and I think the first one is that um, you can improve your posture until the cows come home, but if you're not actually taking note at how you're sitting every day, all day, then you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. So the first thing to do is noting how many hours of a day you spend sitting down. Anything more than six hours a day, you actually shorten something in your DNA called telomeres and telomeres predict how long we live. So six hours, yes. For some, maybe not some in an office job, but for some without an office job, that doesn't sound, that sounds like a lot and maybe you know, you don't do that. But if you think about, you know, you get out of bed, you sit down to have some breakfast, you grab your keys, you're sitting down, driving to work, you might drive to work for half an hour, you sit down, maybe at work, maybe you're getting up and down, you have your lunch break, you sit down again for another hour, you're up and down throughout your work in the afternoon, you get home, you drive in the car home, you're sitting down there, you get home, have some dinner, sit down to eat your dinner, Put on Netflix, watch some telly, sit down for a good couple of hours, and then you're off to bed. So you can see how these things accumulate um, hour after hour. And with six hours of sitting a day, the good news is is that you can actually counterbalance some of that effect um, with half hour of exercise. So they are attributing sitting as the new smoking um, in terms of its health effects. And why am I talking about sitting with posture? Well, when you think about how we actually sit, for most people, when they're talking about posture, the problem that they're referring to is that when they look in the mirror, their head seems to look really far forward from their body and their shoulders are or hunching over and that they stick their stomach out. And the reason being for that is because if we're, say, sitting for a long period of time, usually we're doing something that's looking down on our laptops, eating our deal, eating our dinner or a meal, driving, etc. So we're always in this forward, forward posture where our shoulders are forward and our head is forward. Now the problem with that is that gravity is already trying to 
push us into the grounds, you know. So we already have the force of gravity pushing us forward, having rolling our shoulders forward, rolling our heads forwards. Compound that um, with what you're doing every day. You don't want to get into that earth and get into that dirt too quickly. So it's really important to think about how we're standing and think about how much time we sit in this posture. So that first one is just awareness that you're doing it. So yes, on the laptop, but even looking down at your phone. I see so many people in the damn reception room before their adjustment slouching down in the couch looking at their phone. And it's like, it's crazy. It's like you have come here to get adjusted and improve your well-being, improve your posture, improve, improve these things. But you're sitting in the waiting room undoing all the work. Craziness. I know. I know. Um, so the way you should, the way your posture should be and what you can do every day uh, in terms of just standing up straight is the shoulders should be back and down and then your ear should be in line with your shoulder. So have a look in the mirror and see how far your head is compared to your shoulders. And it, it might just be a case of tucking the chin back a little bit. And then with that, making sure that if you can imagine that your pelvis is a bucket of water, if you arch your back as much as you can, the water will fall out the front of your pelvis. And if you flatten your back as much as possible, then the and even go more so, then the water might fall out the back of the pelvis, so the pelvis being a bucket. So where you want your pelvis to be is level so the water doesn't fall in and out. Another way to um, think about where your pelvis should be is when you're all the way arching your back, that's number 10. And when you're all the way flashing your back out, if that's number one, then you want to find number seven. So somewhere in between there. And that's called neutral spine. That's when everything's lining up on top of each other um, and when you're going to have the best outcome for your posture. Now, I know that if you have forward shoulders and a forward head, then you probably have some degree of muscle weakness and tightness that are out of balance. So when you first start to try and improve your posture, you'll probably find that you'll sit up straight and then straight away again after you know a nanosecond, you'll forget and you'll be back there, back forward again. Or you actually find it uncomfortable to pull the shoulders back. And that is because there's so much imbalance if you're finding that that's the case for you, then this could be um, a time to seek a little bit of extra help from a professional like a chiropractor, um, a physiotherapist, um, etc., to help the imbalances that have been created through your spine and your nervous system um, that are causing you now to be so out of balance that it's uncomfortable to sit up straight. Um, another thing that you can do in terms of in the gym is forward shoulders, uh, often because the pectoral muscle is very, very tight. So through the chest, if you're really tight, then that muscle attaches to the shoulder. And if it's tight, it it has shortened muscle fibers. So when you shorten the muscle fibers, it's almost dragging the shoulders forward. Now, stretching out that chest is really important, but also not working it out too much. So for example, you know, the gym muscles, the chest press, boxing, um, all these things is promoting that chest to be even tighter. Now we've all seen the big muscly guys in the gym that have beach muscles that have massive arms and pecs, but their shoulders are so far forward because they've just been overworking their chest so much and they haven't been stretching enough. So that's the first thing 
is just to stretch it out and to reduce the amount of exercise you do through your chest. The second thing you need to do is work on strengthening the muscles through your shoulder blades, so your rhomboids, your lats, etc. Because when you strengthen the muscles through your shoulder blades, they're going to contract and pull your shoulder blades back. So you can do that with anything that you pull. So for example, seated row, um, pull-ups, etc., are all things that are going to work on those muscles. Something that you can do that's very simple that you can do anywhere is something called a Brugger relief position where you can do it sitting or standing. If you're having if you're spending some time in front of your computer every half an hour, you put your hands by your side straight in front of you, you squeeze your shoulder blades together, and then you look up, making sure that your shoulders are relaxed back and down. And you hold that position there for about 30 seconds and then you release it off. That's going to help open up the chest and strengthen up through the shoulder blades and improve your posture um, when you're working at the desk, etc. Next question. I have eczema that will not go away. What should I do? So this is a, a very tricky one. and It will be very dependent on uh, the root cause of the eczema. So eczema really is a irritation or inflammation of the skin causing redness, itching, uh, burning, etc. So any inflammation, we have to go through almost like in an inflammatory protocol. But the first thing I would want to mention here is if you have some sort of skin condition, often I find that it's a detoxification problem. So, for example, if you're not detoxifying well, so the biggest way to detoxify is through our poop, through our poos. If you're not uh, eliminating waste well, so for go back to a few podcasts back, I did a podcast with Damien Christoph. What does your poo say about you? If you want to know if you're pooing properly, but we should be getting the amount of fecal matter from our elbow to our wrist, that amount a day. So that can be within a few sittings, one sitting, etc. If you're not eliminating that much waste a day, then more than likely you're not detoxifying well and there's waste buildup. When there's waste buildup in the body, then the body needs to find another way to excrete that toxin and one of those ways is going to be through our skin. So we all know that I'm sure you've all noticed that if you've been eating poorly or um, drinking a lot of alcohol, et cetera, that it will come out through maybe some acne. And this is the body's way of trying to eliminate toxins from the body. So any skin condition, the first thing that I usually recommend is some form of colon cleanse um, or something along those lines to really get the digestive system that the thing that is most in charge of getting rid of waste and toxins from your body, getting that digestive system clear and free um, of plaque, etc., so that you know you can detoxify well. Um, the second thing is avoiding any uh, foods that cause irritation. And by irritation, it's, it's really inflammation. So just like if you think about a swimming pool, so you have a swimming pool in the in the backyard and you have to get the pH right. 
Now, if we don't get the pH right, then, uh, you know, funky stuff starts to happen. Things start to grow in weird places and it turns a bit rancid. Our bodies are 70% water, so we're essentially the same. We need to get our pH right. When our pH goes a little too acidic, then we start getting what's called inflammation. Now, the easiest way to cause inflammation and acidity through our body is through the foods we eat. So having too much processed food, too much sugar, um, too much refined carbohydrate, etc., and not enough green leafy vegetables, not enough fruit, um, not enough of that nutritionally dense food that will help alkalize the blood and alkalize the body. Um, another great way to help that pH level is to drink lots and lots of water um, to flush it out as well. So diet is very, very important with things like eczema and skin conditions. Um, I find, especially with children, um, often especially if they're breastfeeding, mum is eating something that the child is creating some form of immune response to and inflammation to. And now it's coming through their skin when really it's because they're drinking mum's breast milk and mum is eating a few things that are causing inflammation and irritation um, through through the child. Uh, another one as well is this is if you've sort of done everything that you can think of and you want to take it to the next level, thinking about uh, your home and what how your home might be contributing to a few things. So things like mold, et cetera, are going to cause some skin conditions. Chlorine coming through our taps, uh, very important that um, we can try and eliminate that exposure to the skin, especially if you're having these skin issues. So you can put there's these great filters that you can put on your taps um, that will eliminate the chlorine from your water and a lot of other nasties that will actually be absorbed through the skin as we're showering as well. Um, and another way as well is to go on something like uh, a juice fast or something like that. So drinking just high-quality nutrition, um, juices, vegetable and fruit juice for a period of, say, seven days or so, um, high nutrition, high, highly dense in calories. However, it's going to help flush out any of the excess toxin through the body that could be throwing, showing through the skin. And the last question that we have for today, because we are running out of time, is where do I find good quality gluten-free products? So I get this a lot when I suggest that people start eliminating a few things from their diet and, for example, getting back to whole foods and avoiding um, glutinous products. Um and then they're going out to the supermarkets like Woolies, etc., and realizing that there's not a whole lot of choice there. So they're going to the gluten-free aisle and uh, picking out a whole bunch of nasties in the gluten-free aisle that have so many bad, um, bad things in them because they're not reading the packet and they're just going for something that says gluten-free rather than something that's truly healthy. So... 
I find that actually Woolworths out of all the supermarkets have the best range of good quality gluten-free products that are gluten-free by default um, because they're a healthy product. However, uh, it's it's hard to say this, but I don't really shop at any of those big supermarkets anymore because I find that their variety is really poor. Um, here in Fremantle, there is so many good products. So for the Frio kids, places like Peaches, Manor Whole Foods, um, even the Organic Collective, they have some great, great alternatives, Harper's Food Market. So many of those places have great quality uh, gluten-free products and substitutes for your day-to-day um, things like substitutes for flour, substitute for the different things that you have to start replacing in your home. There's also for the kids that maybe don't live in Fremantle, I know that around Perth there's plenty of places, Google something like organic store because usually it's the organic store they have their head screwed on and they're going to provide lots of good quality products there. Otherwise, there is a great platform called uh, Inner Origin, which everything on that platform is trusted. Um, You can use the code The Inspired Optimist to purchase anything from that platform and there's options um, on that platform where you can choose gluten-free products and your guarantee that those products will in fact be good for you and not have a lot of other nasties in them. And then finally, getting delivered. Um, you can, there is other sites where you get delivery um, through all these products as well. So it is a it is a big lifestyle shift and lifestyle change when you realize that um, all the places that you used to shop no longer can be trusted. Um, but once you get your head around that and once you start finding the substitutes for a few things, and there's so many good quality websites out there which have amazing recipes um, that can help you through this transition if you're transitioning, then yeah, yeah, you can be empowered to make some great food choices and um, better your health in that way. So that's all I have time for today. Keep the questions coming. Um, Let me know if you enjoyed this episode by leaving a comment um, because I will do it again uh, a little bit later down the track if there's more questions that come through. Um, But otherwise, share this episode with a loved one if you feel like they might need this information. And of course, give me, please, please give me a five-star rating on iTunes and leave me an awesome comment because this is really, those ratings are the only way that this information gets shared to even more of the public. And remember, my goal is to change as many people's lives as possible while I grace this earth. This is Jacinta from The Inspired Optimist. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.